you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. And we have a bit of a coup today uh, because we have David Jennings, who is back for the second time. He's our first guest to come back on the show twice. It's a real pleasure. So welcome to the show again, David. Wow, what an honor. I didn't realize I was the first. So I know uh, you got some great feedback, as did I, on that episode. So looking forward to this one. Absolutely. You are our most downloaded guest on the Fearless Business Podcast. So that is an accolade. So it's a no-brainer to, to be able to invite you back. And we've got some really exciting stuff to, um, to share with everybody today. You've got a new book, which is coming out uh, which we're August eighteenth. Oh, look at that! You've actually got a. Is that is that a proper physical copy of it? Yes, it is. It is. Wow. It's actually a mock up. So I've got a. I'm waiting for the actual book book, but we needed it for our photo shoot. So we just printed it up and wrapped it around. I think it was around Gino Wickman's traction book, actually. So, <laughs> uh, but it's, that, it looks very similar book. to this. <laughs> yes. Are you going right. to go with the hardcover? Yet yeah, the plan is we'll launch with hardcover. Uh, we're going to do audio. So I've done the audio reading for it and also Kindle as well. So um, for those who don't know you, David, just give us a quick sort of 60 second intro. Tell us about System Hub and Systemology and, um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So I help business owners step out of the day-to-day operations of their business. So we've got a process called systemology. It's a seven-step process designed to take someone from having zero systems to building a business that works without them. And really specifically, I focus in on just the systems piece because I feel like it's so underdone and so under-addressed for small business. Like there's a lot of info out there, even I mentioned the book Traction, Scaling Up, Work System, The E-Myth, all of these books talk about the idea of systems, but I feel like none of them do a very good job on answering the question, well, where do I start? What are the first systems I get in place and how can I make sure that it happens without the business owner being so, you know, integrally involved in making it happen? Well, what is it, the challenge is, I think, with a lot of those books is they're incredibly inspiring, but they don't necessarily give you like the the step by step process which your book does. And well, your book is twofold actually, because um, I found it incredibly inspiring at the start because you had a very well known uh, sort of author, business um, mind, Michael Gerber, write your foreword and introduction to the book, and you've got an amazing story. So how on earth did that come about? Yeah, it's one of those things and we see it all the time in business where just almost like these random acts or serendipitous events pop up. And uh, a lot of times business owners aren't in a situation where they can take advantage of opportunities when they fall on their lap because they're too busy. They're too caught up in the day to day. And I feel like systems for me, being able to systemize my business, get it to a point where the business can run itself and have me step out of the day to day has just meant when things 
pop up, I'm able to take advantage of it. And the Michael Gerber one, I just thought, look, what a perfect example to open the book with where um, he's effectively the Oprah in my industry. He is the expert, um, the one that everybody cites as the godfather of business systems. And he wrote a book called The E-Myth. That's probably what he's most well known for. Out of the blue, I had his wife contact me because Michael had just written the final book in his E-Myth series called Beyond the E-Myth. And they were going to launch for the first time they decided to self-publish as opposed to go through the traditional publisher. In the past, they'd gone through HarperCollins. And this time they thought, no, we want to maintain the rights. We want to have control over the written uh, word plus also the audio book and we're going to do the book launch. Uh, Only they hadn't done a book launch before. So they hopped online, did some searches and for whatever reason, you know, good fortune, uh, his wife had come across my previous book launch. So the first book that I ever wrote was a book called Authority Content. And Lustelia watched me launch that and said, wow, you did a fantastic job. I'd love for you to be able to do that for Michael and his book. And uh, I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to. I mean, they had no idea what I was doing with Systemology and System Hub. Um, They contacted me about authority content, which was more related to my previous business, the digital agency. That's what we talked about on our last episode. Uh, but she had no idea what I was working on. Uh, my tell, iPad. Tell us, about the, um, tell us about the phone call though, because that was hilarious. I was reading that with a big smile on my face. <laughs> well, she just sent me out of the blue. She sent an email that said, uh, call me. So I picked up the phone, I gave her a call and uh, they're on the uh, West coast of the US, which was my early morning. And I said, hi, it's David. And I've even got the transcript in the book because the Gerbers like to record all of their calls. And uh, it was quite funny. She was like, oh, am I speaking to the real David? And I I, I was feeling that same level of, is this uh, Luz Delia, Michael Gerber's wife? And uh, we got to the end of the call and she explained the situation and said, I'd love for you to work on Michael's book launch. It was a three-month project where I stepped out of my business and devoted myself to working in his business for three solid months. And we had a fantastic result. The book launched and became an Amazon bestseller uh, within 24 hours. And I learned a lot of things going through that process. Uh, But I think most notably, it just sort of really underscored the importance of systems for me because if I didn't run a systemized business, if I, I didn't have the opportunity to follow that, I would have never built the relationship I had with Michael. We still, to this day, work and uh, together on different projects. He's obviously written the forward to my book and um, I'm helping out with a, a couple of other pieces of their business. And it was just all for me stems back to having a well-systemized business. Well, you, you also mentioned in the book that you wouldn't have had that opportunity had you not systemized it. And when they, cause they asked you effectively to kind of do a piece of work for them. So you were kind of like, well, if I, if I hadn't had all this other automation going on, I wouldn't have been able to say yes to that opportunity. 
Yeah, and it's the same uh, even towards the end of the book. I talk about some of the opportunities that um, have happened to me since writing the book um, as a result directly from having systems and processes in place. There are a range of different opportunities that opens up to the business owner by systemizing their business. Systems make their business more valuable. Systems give the business owner more time and more freedom to work on the projects that they want to um, and grow their business in ways that they couldn't previously. And it's it's hard to, to get to a point where you can work on the business rather than in the business because all business as a founder and a startup entrepreneur, when you launch a business, you are right in the thick of it. And you have to go through that just to get it off the ground. You need to slowly build up your team, get your runs on the board, confirm your product to market fit and um, get some successes. And what happens though is most business owners then get stuck. They they get caught in almost like a treadmill and they're doing the same thing over and over and over again because all of the behaviours that help them to get to one level get reinforced and that's what holds them growing through to that next level. You know, they're micromanagers, they're the bottleneck in the business trying to be across everything and be involved in all of the different aspects of the business and then that's what traps them and, and breaking through to that next level is very challenging. And that's, again, what systemology is about. It's how do you break those habits now that you know what's working, but how do you capture what's working and then build upon that and start to grow and scale the business? A very simple example, which I use with um, with a lot of my clients, especially when they're starting to scale their businesses, that you know what got you to 100K, your first 100K is not going to get you to a million. And the simple reason for that, one of the simplest reasons for that is if you were selling products for a thousand pounds, for example, and you're selling a hundred, hundred of those a year, you know, now to get to a million, when you've got to sell sort of, you know, 10 times that again, and they're like, Oh, I couldn't possibly sell that much. So you've got a couple of different options. There is one is to increase your prices sort of tenfold or significantly to, in order to kind of start to get the income. And most people struggle with that. But then there's also that other element of, like you just said, the letting go, because it's like when, you know, if all of a sudden we've got a team of 10 people in our business, we've got to do things dramatically different when it was just, you know, one guy on his own or girl on her own. So you must have seen some, um, you know, you've worked with a number of different clients now. You, you, you must have seen some people who were just completely sort of stuck and unable to sort of take that leap of faith. So have you got any examples you can kind of share with us? Yeah. There's one that comes to mind specifically for that because there are so many different challenges that people will have. And a lot of them relate back to the myths and misconceptions about business systemization. You know, people believing that they need to be the one that systemizes or that systems remove creativity or that they need to systemize like McDonald's or they need some complex software. There are a lot of these myths. And and one of those myths you underscored is this idea that the business owner feels like they need to be the one that systemizes. And it stems from them having successfully built the business up to level. So they just assume that to systemize the business, it's going to be them, but they don't have enough time. They never get around to it. And that's what ends up putting it on the back burner and why they never get to it. So one that comes to mind, I wrote about it uh, in the book was one uh, with a, a guy who, um, his name's Dave and he runs a company called Portavac. Uh, and he was having trouble getting the systemization done 
because he felt like he needed to be across it and involved. And when we introduced this idea of systemology, one of the first things that we did was identify what we call a systems champion. And it happened to be a young guy who worked out of his office, who was kind of like, you know, very curious and give anything a go kind of guy. And he just was hungry and wanted to learn. So we started to take them through the systemology process and Kane, this guy's name, um, followed me through this and he became their systems champion and started to document everything. The uh, owner, Dave, um, who owns the company Portovac, he probably attended maybe the first two or three meetings and then basically handed it over to Kane. And Kane then started to work with the team and identify the knowledgeable workers and we identified the systems that we wanted to extract and to document. So he started working with those team members and would literally just record them doing their thing and became really curious about what they were doing, why they were doing it a certain way and I taught him how to make sure that um, he modelled the best. So we figured out who on the team were doing certain tasks to the best standard and we thought let's just document what they're doing and even if we get everybody up to his standard, it doesn't even have to be perfect, but at least if we get it up to um, the, the standard of whatever the best person doing it was, that had a huge win. We'd get consistency across the team and the business. And the business owner, Dave, he just completely stepped out of the way, let Kane run it to the point where we even had Kane uh, at times going out in the field uh, because their the company uh, is Portovac. They clean roofing gutters and and uh, some of the systems they needed to create needed to be done out in the field. And Kane would wear a little GoPro, go out in, yeah. into the field, stand behind the tradesperson as they chatted with the client, as they set up the equipment, as they, uh, you know, put together the report at the, the end of doing the, the roof cleaning. Uh, and Kane just recorded the whole lot and then took those videos back and then used those videos to help create the first version of the documentation. So by going through that process, we were able to take Dave out of the the entire process. And at the end of about three months, when the business owner checked back in to see how we were gone, he was just absolutely amazed. The amount of wins that we were able to get working with this existing team. This is Sometimes people just think for some reason that they need to be the person, but the business owner quite often is the worst person in the business to be doing the documentation. Um, it was, it's a really interesting um, story, actually, because one of my uh, coaches on my team was working with a, a business owner and the business owner, so this is a fairly large company, and the, the business owner convinced himself that it was a really good idea for him to be driving uh, to go and collect some parts which they needed for that was a manufacturing business. So he would go and do a three hour round trip to pick up like, you know, 50 quids worth of like parts for the business. And actually when, when my, the, my, my coach kind of did a, a backwards calculation on like how much revenue the CEO was actually, you know, responsible for bringing in for the business. It was something like a thousand pounds an hour. So to save 50 pounds on delivery of these parts, it was actually costing the business 3000 pounds, you know, and it's just, I can see that probably there was, there's an element here of like people yeah. not really realizing that time massively equals money. So what, what are the kind of tangible outcomes and results which, that, which Portovac managed to sort of achieve through taking the system, you know, going through the systemology approach? I, I think because um, there's sometimes there are the results 
um, that are tangible, what is the bottom line impact? And there's also a range sometimes that are um, the intangibles that aren't quantifiable. So from Portavac's point of view, I remember one of the biggest insights, the intangible benefit uh, at the end of the process was he changed the way that he thought. He started to acquire systems thinking. So whenever he would look at a problem, he would look at it from the perspective of it's a problem with the business system that needs to be perfected. It wasn't a problem with the staff. It was a problem with the way that um, they'd articulated what needed to be done. And he had this um, scenario where someone at the end of the shift, when they were returning the trucks, um, they he had a particular set of things that he wanted to have done to get them cleaned up and ready for tomorrow and, you know, cross-checked. And uh, he, he said one day he had the truck come back and he was almost going to tell the person off for not uh, doing things to a particular standard. And then he, he had the breakthrough and go, oh, this is a systems thing. I need to create a system. So every time a truck is returned, we just have a checklist and I get them to check off each of the steps that I want to have done. And then I do that once and then I'll solve the problem forever. So that's something like that is hard to articulate because now that's going to set off a chain reaction in that business that is going to just revolutionize it. Um, but on the bottom line, then there are other examples, whether it's um, selling the business and getting top valuation. There's a story we talk about in the systemology book um, called uh, Dig Dog Daycare. And they, uh, it's obviously a doggy daycare center. And the business owner had worked in that business for uh, about 10 years before she decided that she wanted to exit. And then she worked with us for a couple of years to document her systems and processes. And when it came time to sell, she ended up uh, finding the, the acquirer who cited two main things that they purchased the business for. One, the financial performance and two, the systems. It was a national company that bought them that said they wanted to roll out um, the doggy daycare center um, Australia-wide as different, you know, with different franchises all around. And they said, you've already created all of the systems and processes for us and you've proven it to work. So she ended up getting uh, extremely um, high valuation. It was a multiple of earnings and um, that was a fantastic exit for her. Uh, but then, I mean, I've had other examples. There's a guy, Gary McMahon from Ecosystem Solution, and he talked about systemizing the business and said that he saw um, an increase of turnover by 200 percent and he saw an improvement in uh, net profits um he, he said it was between uh, a it was about 30% that he went from 8% to 30% on net wow. profit improvement and he cited the systems because systems affect a range of different things. You know, you can have a system for the way that you sell. You can have a system for the way that you market. You can have a system for the way that you uh, onboard clients and deliver your products and services and get them to come back. And you can get wins at each one of these levels. I know in the last chapter in the book, I have created a little spreadsheet where people can calculate if they just got simple 10% wins in multiple different areas, you know, a 10% improvement of leads, a 10% improvement on your conversion, a 10% uh, improvement in efficiency 
uh, and profit margin by delivering your core product. All of these things can be easily achieved and much more by having just a way of doing things and modeling the best in your business and then getting everybody to compete and deliver to that level. So, yeah, there are a lot of benefits and I've always struggled to answer the question, how will this impact my business? Um, Yes, you've got the immediate dollar value figure, but it makes clients happier, makes staff happier. Who knows? You might even have the Oprah of your industry knock on your door and say, I'd love to do a project with you that you can then do because now you've got space. I, I, that's a hard thing to quantify, but it, it unlocks when you get good systems in place. You, you kind of uh, talked about like the, the, there's eight kind of financial levers in business that if you pull them and add, add sort of, like you said, about conversion rates and, you know, reducing overhead, increased profits and things like that uh, to increase your prices. But if you do it all by 2% uh, across each of those eight levers, it actually increases net profits by 84%. So just a tiny little 2% improvement across all of those different areas. And I know that for a fact, cause it's in, it's in Robert Craven's book, which I've got behind me somewhere here. Yeah. So um, it's, it's the compound effect. I mean, Einstein talked about uh, compound interest as being the eighth wonder of the world. Lots of little micro improvements, one on top of the other have this huge effect on the bottom line. And, to to only see you know a two percent win by introducing some new lead generation systems like pretend like that's an easy win that's like a hurdle this big that any business owner could easily jump over but if you really outperform then you can literally turn your business you know to a whole new level um, just by implementing some smart systems that affect each of these eight levers you're talking about. I can imagine as well, like Portovac as well, you know, sending a van out dirty, that's potentially a prospect lost. Yes. You know, which yep. they would never know about. There'd be no way of kind of measuring that until actually you put the systems in place and then you can start to see the tangible results coming back in. Yeah. And there's, you know, lots of little things, like even if that truck was out in the field and uh, it wasn't washed very well or didn't look like it was very well kept, you know, you've got a, uh, another random car going by who, you know, they may make pay more attention to it. Like it's, there's so many little things that you can't record uh, and the impact one affects the next. Like your business is made up of a collection of systems and they're all interconnected. So, uh, improvements upstream can very much affect what happens downstream. If you uh, perfect your your sales approach or your lead generation approach, that can actually affect your delivery systems because now you might have a different quality client that's going through the process who might end up being more likely to have repeat business or offer referral business. So it's by improving systems, it's a case of you get uh, an overall lift across the business. It would probably be remiss of us not to kind of give a nod to the, you know, the ongoing global crisis at the moment where you've seen so many different businesses kind of move online and, and you immediately, when you think online, you think systems. But um, I, I did a bit of a, a rant into my group the other day because, um, you know, there was a couple of bits of software which I, I wanted to, I, I was making some changes to my online, my e-learning portal for my members. And I tried to get some support and hadn't heard from two companies, big companies in five days. And so I just did a, went on a little rant and I was just like, I don't understand. Like when you're going through a crisis, it should be like all these big businesses use it, using it as an excuse to like 
make stuff worse whereas actually it should be a really good reason to make stuff better and i bet probably you've seen some really great examples of businesses who've accelerated their growth like tenfold through you know over the last sort of three to six months as a result of what's happened now why wouldn't people do it anyway <laughs> it's funny you should say that because you've hit the nail on the head with regards to um, the speed at which change can happen right now. We're seeing obviously change happening around the world in every industry and both uh, team members and clients are accepting of this change more than ever. So I'm actually finding now is the easiest time to introduce a systemized culture into your business. Whereas sometimes you might get resistance, you know, those team members, that go, oh, why do we have to change the way that we're doing things? Because I've always done it this way and it's been working fine. Um, Or maybe you've got team members that uh, don't want to change because they like you know, creating a little black box around them that gives them security in their job. But what we're finding is right now, introducing this idea of systems and processes and systemizing your business is getting accepted across the board because everybody understands that change has to happen, that we have to be operating more efficiently, that some businesses are moving from uh, offline now to online and that creates change. So if you were thinking about it, and you like the idea of systems, but you're worried on whether or not the team would be receptive. Sometimes we hear people say, yeah, look, systems are great, but even if I systemize, my team's not going to follow them anyway. And right now, that isn't the case. You can introduce something and it's, we have to change and it's very well accepted. Yes, I'm uh, a little bit biased, I suppose, a little bit like you as well to think that businesses should be looking to do this no matter the climate, all year round, all the time. Like for me, systems aren't a one and done process either. It's not like you systemize your business for three months and then you're done. Um, it's a change in thinking. It's it's just like we talked about with Portovac and Dave where um, he now looks for system solutions to solve problems. That is the cultural shift that you're looking to create in all team members. They're looking to improve the systems and the processes. And I mean, you touched on some of the systems and uh, processes, that idea. I, I, I want to try and spell out when when I talk about systems, what I mean as far as like a definition, for me, a system is just simply a series of linear steps that when followed, create a consistent outcome. And your business is made up of a collection of these. Some are documented, some aren't documented, some are kind of trapped in team members' heads. The goal is uh, to to become aware of these systems, identify the, you know, the 20% that give the 80% of the result, like the 80-20, figure out those core systems, rise them to the top, get identify the best practice for those and then get everybody following those systems and processes. So I just thought I'd mention that because sometimes when I say systems, it's easy to get that confused with, does he mean a software solution or a CRM or something like and that? This is actually yes, about a step-by-step process to get something done, isn't it, basically? Exactly right. Exactly right. It's really interesting what you were saying about like about the different um, individuals within the business and how, how they influence whether their business is you know uses systemization or not and um i've got a good example of this actually is one of the a story which one of the dads shared 
from school shared with me. And he, he works for a large furniture business, very exclusive furniture business here in the UK. And um, predominantly they were showroom based. So very, you know, with pre-crisis, it was, um, I think they, he said that their sales were some e-commerce sales or something like 15% of their turnover. So of course everything gets locked down and now they, you know, nobody can come into the stores. So they managed to quickly adapt and, um, uh, overhauled that entire e-commerce and logistics systems in the back end. Not, I'm not just talking about the IT side of things. I'm talking about literally the the way they did their business. Totally transformed, and within the space of three months, they've managed to get their turnover back up to you know where it was for the entire business just on e-com. And and I said, well, why are they not just going to do that instead? Because clearly that's working. And he said. Because the owner of the business said it's all about the experience of having people in the showroom smelling the furniture and this, this whole shopping experience. And so he'd never pushed e-commerce and he still doesn't want to. And it's like, hmm. it baffles me that like, kind of, I, and I kind of get it in a way. It's, it's kind of like, um, there's, a, there's a legacy there, which this guy's creating, but equally, it, you know, is that the future of business? And I, but I think also like when you start to, and I think this is, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. My idea about systems is that it needs to start with a vision, a mission, and a culture, and is defined by goals, effectively. And if you can't articulate what those are, you're never going to be able to systemize anything in your business. I used to think things like vision and mission, that was all airy-fairy and, you know, something for big companies. But the longer I've been in business, the more I realize that drives everything. You start off with the dream, the what it is that you're looking to create. Then you start to think about, you know, the mission and the, the values that are important to you and your company so you attract the right people. The values really are the rule book for, that sets the culture. And then you want to set the culture by making sure that the team then follow that. So for me, uh, and I've got it just here. I mean, my previous digital agency, I didn't have it in place, but I've done it up now for our system hub and systemology business. And I thought about this up front. So our dream is to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operations. And it goes through and we've got the purpose and the mission. But one of the values is actually systems thinking. We always seek out and create system-based solutions for recurring tasks and challenges. And I I want to embed this into our recruitment process. So we have different elements that we've built in where, you know, we run a job ad and in the job ad, I link to some of the systems and processes that are relevant to that particular job. So they know right up front that we're a systems-based business. We have a way of doing things. It's outlined just here. And if you don't like that, then you're probably not a good fit for us. And then there are other ways that we just embed that thinking to make sure that we're attracting the right people in. I remember at a really um, interesting lesson when I was eight years old uh, from my dad uh, around um, the idea of not everybody is made for systems and processes. So my dad created a thing called the sheet and it was for my brother and I had um, listed out all of these different um, ways that we could earn points. And then at the end of the week, you'd add up all the points and it would equal our pocket money. So we could clean the bird cage and be good to our brother and make sure that we did the dishes, all those sorts of things. And then at the end of the week, we'd get the pocket money. And I loved the sheet. I played it incredibly well and uh, maximized all of the points to the point where, um, because my dad had this rule, if you got three weeks of more than 500 points, he'd start to give you an extra bonus. So I 
used to always max it out and he ended up having to change the legend and the scoring system a little bit because he said, look, uh, you're going to bleed me dry. I was just, <laughs> I, I knew how to play the game. But my brother, on the other hand, he hated the sheet. He didn't follow the sheet. If he scored any points, it was by pure chance. Now, there were two completely different schools of thought there. I embraced it and then he avoided it. And it made me realise that there are some people that just don't connect with a systemized approach and a way of doing things. And if you want to build a systems-centred business, that's okay. You just want to identify those people as early as possible. And as the business owner or someone in the leadership team, you don't have to hire someone if they don't fit into your culture. But I'm telling you now, if you build a systemized business with a systemized culture, your life will be easier. Your business will run more smoothly. It will be more scalable and you will make more profit. So you want to build that in and then find people that support that culture. And if you do that, it can be a huge game changer for business owners. That's, that's the entrepreneur in me, which would be thinking, how can I help my brother out here so that I can get him <laughs> his 500 points and then we split the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's, I, I think about it now and I, I look back and it's like he's, he's headed in a very different ap- approach um, and that's okay. And one other thing I find interesting is that the business owner oftentimes isn't a super systemized person. Like me, I'm more of a visionary. I'm great at coming up with good ideas and thinking about how we'll change the world, but I am not a super detail orientated person who gets excited by writing out documented process and things like that. Uh, So what you want to do, and that's one of the reasons why most business owners are so poor when it comes to systems and processes, because it's not in their makeup, but you have to recognize how important it is for business. And then you need to find the yin to your yang. You find your operations person who runs the day-to-day, who loves process, who is detail orientated and who can manage your team. If you get that and you combine a visionary and someone who um, is, you know, the the manager who's detail orientated, a a great book, actually, I talk about it sometimes, uh, Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. And he talks about um, the the visionary and the integrator. Um, Understanding that relationship and understanding that you might not be a systemized person. Who knows? Maybe you're like my brother. Um, That's okay. But as long as you recognize how important systems are and then find the right team who can install them. It's one of the things which I've noticed. Um, I mean, again, it's a little nod to the crisis, but, you know, throughout all of this, I've ended up working sort of less than half the hours that I would normally give myself to sort of work. And I'm one of those guys, that if I could work 24-7, just because I love the process of doing it, I would. But one of the things I noticed is that um, as I, I've had to obviously get a bit more efficient and I used to try and hire somebody to do all of the jobs that I didn't want to do. And actually it's, I realized that it was the worst way to hire somebody. Uh, yes. You know, I tried it several times, didn't work. But over the crisis, what I've noticed is that um, if I just go and find the right person to do one specific task really, really well and really efficiently. Um, and so I, I do end up with lots of people kind of doing various different bits to do the podcast and the video editing and the, you know, the blogging and all like those different things. But then I have that one, like you said, ops person who can then manage all of those people. All of a sudden, I'm kind of like starting to make myself redundant for my own business 
which I, I actually yeah. am starting to get a real kick out of because I'm 38. I want to go and spend more time surfing, David. So any which way we can make that happen on a more regular basis, like I'm, I'm definitely down with that. But there are a lot of business owners out there who will be struggling just to kind of um, make those first sort of steps. And I never really um, sort of understood. I mean, I've always been a good sort of fan of outsourcing. I never understood why people struggle so much just to either let go or they can't see the vision in, in letting go or what, you know, they can't, there's no future kind of like forward thinking involved in that. You must see yeah, that quite a lot. Definitely. And I, there's one thing that I say all the time, which is if your business can't work without you, then the business is broken. And it's something that a business owner needs to think about. And it extends beyond just the business owner. If your business has key person dependency, then the business is broken. You don't want to be dependent on anyone to the point where if they don't show up to work, then the business grinds to a halt in that particular department or if it's the business owner completely across the board. So you want to be building the business as though it can work without you. Otherwise, it's that classic line. Um, if it can't work without you, then really all you have is a job and you're, you're going in there to do the work and it's dependent on you. I know in chapter, um, it's the, the stage we call integrate in systemology. I go deep into this idea of how do you integrate? How do you find the right person to be the yin to your yang? How do you then start to build that culture in and find the team members who really resonate with this message and how do you position it so they see the benefit to them? It's not just enough for the business owner to come in and say, hey, we, we need to be systemizing and you've got to document your process and um, sometimes that can fall flat on, flat on its uh, face. Sometimes it'll work for some team members, but you really want to think about what is the benefit to the individual team member. No one likes to go away on holidays and then come back and find they've got a thousand emails sitting there inbox and nothing's moved forward while they've been on leave. And then they spend the next, you know, two months trying to catch up for the one week that they had off. So by systemizing, it means that parts of their role can continue to happen whether or not they're there or not. Absolutely. And another one, another one I say, depends on the person about you know, if they want to grow within the organization and become more valuable, I let them know, well, you need to be able to replace yourself. If you want to work up the ladder, you need to be able to document and get systems and processes for your tasks so they can be delegated, so they can be outsourced, so that I can find you new higher quality jobs that you need to be working on. So it's Again, thinking about the individual, thinking about what's important to them and helping them to understand how systemizing can help them achieve their goals. Well, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I mean, obviously, I've got an early copy of the book, so I'm, I'm uh, very, very lucky. So remind us, when's the book coming out? Yeah, so the book comes out on the 18th of August 20, 2020. You can get a copy over at systemology.com forward slash book. If you uh, hear this before us going live, that's the place to go because you can get some preview chapters and I've got the audio book. You'll be able to get some preview, preview chapters there as well. Or if it's after that, you can head straight to Amazon. So I'll have all of the links up on there. Um, I'd love for everybody to grab a copy. I mean, it's uh, a culmination of 10 years of my work into one book that you'll, you know, be able to get yourself a copy for 25 bucks or thereabouts. I find books are just fantastic value because it's some people, their best thinking condensed down into a book for 25 bucks. You, you can't go wrong. 
Well, if there's a combination of Michael Gerber's thinking and David Jennings' thinking in a book, I think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, I've, I've read it. I've got the inside track. But uh, what I may well do is tap you up for some copies as well for my clients, potentially. So uh, maybe yeah, we can organise for a box to be shipped over to the UK so that I can uh, hand them out to all of my clients. Because I, I think what you're doing is fantastic. The results which you're getting for your clients is brilliant. Um, and I, you're going to help so many people um, by having the book out. So 18th of August, we'll make sure that we do share the... Um, share the links into the group as well uh, so that people can kind of is, is it available on like can people pre-order it now or do, are they going um, so uh, two weeks or so before pre like before launch it'll come out as pre-order where you'll be able to jump on and get it all locked and loaded excellent so we'll make sure that we'll, we'll loop back around just before sort of at the start of August and we'll make sure those links are shared as well uh, so what 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 else are you kind of working on at the moment because I know that obviously it's, we didn't really talk about this but you sold your last business already you know since we last spoke yes so technically you must be retired now isn't that how it works well now I feel like I'm working back in the business I did get to the point it's a stat it's a staged process that you go through and I had to systematically work my way out of the digital agency and got it to the point where um, we were able to have it sort of operate on its own and then I think I mentioned just before the call to you there were some changes with my CEO and um, some some family reasons she needed to resign and I just thought right it's it's time to sell that business so I can focus in on the system hub and systemology but what that's done is it's pushed me back to working in the business again and my goal is to then systemize myself out following the systemology process Uh, and one of the things that we're working on at the moment um, we're building up a group of systemologists where we'll teach people in the method of systemology so they can then start to help business owners go through this process of Um, identifying their critical systems and systemizing it to the point where their team can follow them and they can step out of the operation. So that's my my next big mission and my next big goal after launching the systemology book. Oh, amazing. Sounds absolutely awesome. So we will, so um, we'll share all of the links obviously to your social media if people want to get in touch with you. Uh, you mentioned that there are going to be some early chapters available as well for people to sign up to. So we'll make sure that as soon as those are ready, we'll get the links um, shared into the group. But as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to ask you the same question, which I asked, I think at the end of the last time we spoke. Um, do you know about the Fearless Business Time Machine? Do you recall that? <laughs> I do. And I had such a witty response. I almost want to say it again. Uh, I did. You can I, say it again. You can say it again. For consistency, we've got to ask anyway. But uh, um, so we're going to hop into the Fearless Business Time Machine. You're going, we're going to, I did say before it was 10 years, but now I've changed it. You actually get to choose the date which you're going to put into the Fearless Business Time Machine's clock. So you can go back to any date in the past and have a word with J- David Jennings then. Uh, when would it be and what would you say to yourself? Look, I, I, I'll say you, you want to go back, let's say, 10 years, and I need to tell myself that um, any business can be systemized and the key is to remove yourself as quickly as possible because I'd do that and then I'd get out of the agency because I actually got stuck in the agency for probably about 10 years too long. So that is a different answer. I won't take away. If you haven't yet listened to the first episode uh, that we did for the Fearless podcast, you definitely want to hear that out. So I I think I had a pretty witty response there, but I won't steal my own thunder and say it again. There we go. Darling, I'm retiring. I've had enough of this game. I'm out. I'm going to find somebody else to run my business for me. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Down with that. Happy. Yeah. We're traveling. That's it now. 
Awesome, David. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Uh, like I said, we will we will share all of the links on there. Um, yes, systemology.com forward slash book. That's where you'll... Excellent. Uh, Systemology.com forward slash book. We'll also make sure that we, I don't think we've got that link, but we'll make sure that's shared too. But um, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you're welcome back on the Fearless Business Podcast anytime in the future as well. Perfect. Thanks again for having us, Rowan. 